Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Indians 12, the Chicago White Sox 11. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And what a freaking game that was tonight. What an incredible game. And that's right, I said tonight because... I'm recording this as the second the game ended. Uh, Chang just fielded a grounder, stepped on the bag, and uh, the Indians have secured the win, have stayed above 500. But that means, that's right, I got to be up at 5 a.m. in the morning. There's going to be no time to record a podcast. That means this is now Cleveland Baseball Nightly. All right, so let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines. Obviously, recording this right after the game ended, it's more of an instant reaction from me than it is detailed analysis, but what an incredible game. I mean, when they hit that grand slam in the fourth inning, how many of you gave up on this game, right? How many of you morning people out there? That's right. That's my nickname for all you listeners, the morning people. How many of you gave up on this game or how many of you stuck it out? How many of you hung in there? Maybe maybe you put the game on the phone. Maybe you went and did other things, but you, you still had it around. You still had an eye on it. If you did, you were rewarded because the Indians started scoring in the fourth inning, and they did not let up. They scored one in the fourth, two in the fifth, five in the sixth to really flip the script in this game, two more in the seventh, two more in the eighth to keep the pressure on, and they needed every single one of those runs unbelievable just none neither pitching staff has anything to smile about today except for maybe Justin Garza and Nick Sandlin Kimbrell had a decent day uh yeah other than that there wasn't a pitcher that really could be proud of what went down even class a got out of it right he saved it but he got hit around a little bit he did give up two hits in the eighth inning before finally shutting the door in the ninth inning. So it got close. I think Garza and Sandlin are the only two pitchers sitting there going, what was wrong? What? What? What was wrong with everything, buddy, today? Huh? We pitched fine. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough day all around to be a pitcher in Chicago. And the offense, it the ironic part is you would think it was the home runs that got the Indians back in the game. The home runs kept this game close. They kept this game manageable. The first three runs of the game for the Indians come on solo home runs, first by Ahmed Rosario, and then back-to-back in that fifth inning from Owen Miller, his first Major League home run, and then Austin Hedges. Let's take a look at that Miller at-bat. Why not? Why not? Let's have some fun here. Let's go to Owen Miller's at-bat in the fifth inning if I can find it. Let's see here what he got to hit the home run. So he got deep in the uh, at-bat. Starts him off with a sinker for a called strike right at the knees. Then tries to throw him a cutter down that he lays off for a ball. Throws him a change up away that he lays. Oh, he swings at for a swinging strike. He, he So he chases one down and away for a swinging strike. Now he's down on the count. Takes a four-seam fastball way in that he doesn't have to worry about. In fact, he has to worry about getting hit by that one in the... Uh, takes it so it's a 2-2 count he fouls off a cutter that was 
really close to the inside edge. And then he throws him a changeup again. I mean, you can't fault Keuchel here for this pitch mix. Going cutter in and then changeup away is not a bad approach when you got the guy on the ropes. Lucky for us, Owen Miller gets the bat out there, drives it out to center field, 101.3 mile per hour, exit velocity, 416 feet for, for his first home run. Austin Hedges would be the next batter, and he would throw him three sinkers in a row, and the third one was the highest of the group. He threw him the same pitch back-to-back. He sinker, he fouls off, and then throws him another sinker in basically the same spot with the same break. Um, yeah, and less spin on that one. And uh, he hits at 104.8 miles per hour, 419 to center field for his fifth home run on the season. So the home runs kept this thing close because Tristan McKenzie got into trouble. Uh, the walks, the walks absolutely piled up on McKenzie at the wrong time. I don't think anyone would say that this was necessarily like the worst McKenzie performance. But three walks and three home runs. I mean, the, the, the box score looks terrible. Four innings pitched, four hits, six earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts, three home runs allowed. Now, the ones before were solo home runs. And I can live with solo home runs. Absolutely. If you give up two solo home runs in a game, that's fine. But it's when you start walking, guys, and then giving up home runs where you get into some really crooked numbers. And that's what happens to McKenzie. He completely loses control, completely loses the fastball, uh, ends up walking two batters in a row to load the bases after it was already a tough inning in that uh, fourth inning for him. And uh, the pitches that he throws to Seppi Zavala, who earlier had hit his first home run of his major league career on a, uh, a solo home run, this time, he throws him a fastball hot away for ball one, throws him a fastball high for ball two. This was, I believe, like 10 pitches in a row that he missed with. To uh, It starts off against Brian Goodwin. He throws him four in a row that he misses with. Adam Engel, four fastballs in a row that he misses with. Uh, three of them high. The third pitch was down. The fourth one back up high. So it's eight in a row. He misses with the first two to Zavala and then throws him a fastball high and tight. And Zavala was just waiting for it. I, I Honestly, it's not a terrible pitch for McKenzie. I'm surprised Zavala swung, to be honest. I mean, 10 in a row, you think he would be taking at least one. Instead, 106.6 miles per hour, 377 into the seats in left field. For some reason, it's an expected batting average of 200, but this was well into the seats out there for a grand slam, and the White Sox were, I mean, rolling at this point. And we're going to have a long time here. We're going to have a couple months to analyze DeMarlo Hale as a manager. First impression here, he left his pitchers in way too long. It was clear McKenzie... Couldn't had no command left of that fastball. Had no, I don't know if it's the mechanics or what, but he had no command left of that fastball. And then Shaw later in the game, Shaw was really up against it. Shaw kept getting ahead of hitters, and then on like oh two counts would give up a hit with a pitch right down the middle. And Shaw clearly didn't have it tonight. And he had Sandlin warming, and he, I think he signaled like one more batter and then left him in for two more batters. 
after it was already too late, after he'd given up a home run. So from DeMarlo Hale, I got the impression that he is going to let his pitcher sink or swim out there. We'll see if he tightens up the leash after what unfolded today. But anyways, the point of this is the White Sox have a huge lead. The Indians, those solo home runs kept the game viable, right? It gave you a reason to hang in there with this team. So it's a 6-3 to three lead. The Indians come up in the sixth inning. And it wasn't the home runs that saved us tonight. It was the doubles. An unbelievable string of base hits in that fifth inning. And uh, in the sixth inning, sorry, in the sixth inning, it starts with a walk to Ahmed Rosario. And then they strike out Jose Ramirez. Fermil Reyes with a double into left field, 109.7 miles per hour. And Ahmed Rosario would come flying around the bases. Ahmed Rosario's speed, I've said it a bunch of times on this podcast, Ahmed Rosario's speed is a game changer. I don't care what his percentile ranking is. When he is on the base path, it is a game changer. In game, they they can't get him. They can't get him. And it helps that the ball is bobbled by the relay man, who I believe was Tim Anderson. If he gets it clean, it would have been a really interesting play at the play. But I think Ahmed Rosario had it. He was flying around third base. So Ahmed Rosario comes in to score. Fermil Reyes delivers a big double. Harold Ramirez would ground out. And then Oscar Mercado, after fighting off a curveball that was almost in the catcher's mitt. I mean, he's decided to swing at this pitch so late. He knew. He knew, he. hey, I have to get the bat out here. This is going to be a strike. It's. We've seen it so many times where a guy gets locked up by a curveball and then goes back to the dugout, you know, shaking his head, going, how did I let a strike come right down the middle? Well, this was like, this. he figured it out a split second before that guy would have. He figured it out a split second before that ball lands in the catcher's mitt and is able to foul it off. And then he delivers a double that brings in uh, Fermil Reyes to score. Owen Miller would walk. Austin Hedges would single that would bring in a run. Then Yu Chang comes up, hits a triple to right field, goes opposite field, 98.4 miles per hour. This would have been a home run, but uh, the right fielder for the White Sox, Goodwin, jumps at the wall, almost makes the catch, but brings the ball back into play. He had it. It was in his glove. He just couldn't squeeze it. It just popped out. Um, Slamming into the wall jarred the ball loose. And uh, he can't find it at his feet. It takes him a while to locate it. It clears the bases. Austin Hedges comes in to score. Two runs come in to score. And Chang is on third with a double. Uh, Straw would line out to end that threat. So it's an amazing inning by the Indians. And from here, it is just back and forth and back and forth. Like I said, the Indians would score again in the seventh inning. They would score again in the eighth inning. Uh, White Sox would score two in this bottom of the seventh, keep themselves in it. The Indians score two more in the eighth. The White Sox, White Sox score three in the bottom of the eighth. They put James Karinchek up against the ropes, Shaw up against the ropes in the seventh. Uh, Sandlin pitched good in between that, including a big strikeout to get out of things. I mean, I could go on and on about this game. Every inning, there was something spectacular. So, this is definitely one that, I mean, go back. The highlight reel on this one is going to be like 15 minutes long to capture everything that happened in this game. Uh, Shaw, I don't know what the heck he was doing in that seventh inning. 
he threw so many freaking cutters, 23 cutters, one slider on the day. 23 cutters. You know what CSW was on that? 17%. They weren't whiffing. He wasn't getting them through for called strikes. I don't know why he was so determined to throw that cutter. Especially, especially, there's one at-bat in particular here that I want to call out. Is it Was it his last at-bat to Gavin Sheets? Yeah, 11 pitches, all cutters. All cutters. The first few were on the plate. In fact, he's up 0-2 in this count. Then he throws him a three cutters in the dirt at his feet. He's lucky he didn't hit him. Then after that, he throws one more in the strike zone that gets fouled off. Then seven, eight, nine, and ten are in the exact same location. Four pitches in the exact same location, and he fouls them all off. He they're all up at the letters and on the outside edge. Every single four in a row. And he fouls them all off, finally comes back in with a cutter, and he lines it 112.8 miles per hour, luckily right at Oscar Mercado. Luckily. I mean, it was a, it was a terrible at-bat from Brian Shaw. He has other pitches. You know, going over to his player page here, he has other pitches. He's thrown the slider this season. He's thrown the curveball. He's thrown the changeup. He's mixed in a forcing fastball four times. The curveball is a great pitch for him. They're hitting 211 off the curveball. They've got a couple of extra base hits off it, but he's got a whiff rate on that curveball of 58.3%. It put away pitch 42.9% of the time, and he didn't want to try it once. I mean, he's basically regressed to the pitcher he was when he left Cleveland. Just cutter after cutter after cutter. The slider has been working for him. The whiff rate on the slider is 45.7%. The whiff rate on the changeup is 41.7%. You know what the whiff rate on that cutter is? 24%. You know what that put-away percentage on that cutter is? 16.1%. He's got a low batting average against it. They're only hitting 203 against it. They're only slugging 271 against it. But... It's not putting hitters away, and that's exactly what happened tonight. He let way too many hitters. When he started up in the count, he let way too many hitters come back. Karinchek, I don't know what's going on with Karinchek. He has been terrible post-All-Star break. His monthly splits post-All-Star break, and I do not know if this is updated. I'll refresh the page one more time. Like I said, I'm recording this just after the game ended, so I don't know if this is updated for the game today. But he's 1-1 one one post-All-Star break with a 7.50 ERA in seven games. Six innings pitched. Uh, he does have two saves, but he's given up seven hits, five earned runs, a homer, four walks, and only two strikeouts post-All-Star break. This is James Karinchek. He's a guy who was a dominant strikeout pitcher for most of the season. Um, he's got a 183 whip post-All-Star break. I mean, for the month of July, it's not good, but really bad post-All-Star break. So Karinchek is absolutely floundering right now. And luckily, Classe was able in, to come in and save this thing. All right, going through the uh, lineup today, Miles Straw in his first game leads off. He struggled at first, but he finally gets a hit, finally dropped a single in and scored a run um, for the Indians. Ahmed Rosario had four hard-hit balls on the day. He goes two for three with Three runs scored, including a double and a home run. Two RBIs for him and a walk, 
incredible day offensively for Ahmed Rosario. Jose Ramirez delivers two big hits, including a big double. He has an RBI and a run scored. Fermil Reyes only had one RBI. It was that big double, but that sparked a huge rally. Harold Ramirez goes two for five uh, with two doubles and two RBIs. Mercado uh, had a quiet day, one hit, but it was a double, an RBI, and a run scored for him. Owen Miller delivered. Um, he had the big home run, the big solo home run, and a walk, and two runs scored. Austin Hedges has two hits with two runs scored and two RBIs, including a home run. And even Yu Chang at the bottom of the lineup. It looked bad to start, but he delivers a big triple, a big two RBI triple, and he had a walk on the day. So everybody in the Indians lineup absolutely delivered today. I mean, offensively, I, I don't even know who to give MVP for the day to. Probably Ahmed Rosario offensively. Just the four hard-hit balls, uh, you know, two for three. I'm based three times on the day. Um, three runs scored. Just a great spark plug for the offense. And then I got to throw Justin Garza in there. He goes two innings pitched. One walk, no hits, no runs, three strikeouts, and really comes in after McKenzie gets out of that fourth inning. But after uh, McKenzie absolutely had a pretty rough start. And uh, Garza on the day threw 10 sinkers, seven changeups, seven cutters, one four-seamer, one slider. His CSW on a sinker was at 70%. 70% on 10 pitches. Two whiffs and five called strikes. That is incredible. 43% CSW on both the changeup and the cutter. It's good for a 50% CSW total on the day. So Garza coming in in relief, you know, thinks he's in there just to eat innings and doesn't realize that he's going to be getting the win because the offense is going to come alive. So not only does he get the win, but I'm giving uh, Ahmed Rosario and Justin Garza co-MVPs for the day, an offensive and a pitching MVP for the day. All right, that's this quick abbreviated episode. You could tell I've been sprinting through this thing because I got to get to sleep and I got to get on the road. So uh, I am going to be recording episodes out of town. So they're going to sound a little different, but I'm going to keep watching the games at night on my phone. Hey, I got got it. Might as well. And uh, I'll keep coming to you. I'll keep talking baseball with you. They're probably going to be shorter episodes. They're not going to be as detailed, but we're still going to have fun talking baseball. And the Indians front offense might have been waving the white flag on this season, but the way the Indians play tonight, it is clear that nobody in that dugout is waving the white flag yet. Uh, They are going to continue to play hard the rest of the season, and uh, we should continue to support them, right? Let's continue to stay with this team. Let's continue to watch how they develop guys like Owen Miller. Miles Straw now is a really interesting guy to watch to see what he can bring to center field in the top of the lineup. I did pull up his splits earlier. He hits hits pretty well at the top of the lineup. He's obviously been hitting a lot in the eighth spot and ninth spots in the lineup for Houston. Um, He hits great. Looking at his splits, he hits amazing in the ninth inning. He came up in the eighth here, I think, and got his hit. But in the ninth inning, it was an insane batting average. In fact, I could pull it up for you. Really quick, if you let me uh, stall here for just a second, his OPS was over a thousand uh, when batting in the ninth inning. And uh, let's see, do I have it here? Yeah, in the ninth inning, he's a 526 batting average. 526. 
10 hits in 22 plate appearances and 19 at-bats. 10 hits with three walks. Uh, one walk, I'm sorry. 526, 545 on base, 526 slugging. That's good for a 1.072 OPS in the ninth inning this season. So uh, if the game's on the line and the ninth inning comes around, give me Miles Straw up to bat. All right, I'm getting out of here. Thanks for listening to me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.